Last week, I began speaking to you from the book of Judges on four principles of victory. And I told you last week we were going to do two then, and then I'd come back this week, Lord willing, and do two more. And so that's what I want to do this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn them back to Judges chapter number 6, and I want to continue what we started last time we were together. Now, these principles of victory are outlined for us right here in the Word of God through the life and ministry of a man named Gideon. We met Gideon last time as we were sharing this scripture, this passage of scripture, and we found out that Gideon was just an ordinary man. There was nothing really extraordinary about Gideon at all. He was just a regular guy that God chose to use by his power to do extraordinary things. Now, if there's one thing that we must glean from that truth that's revealed to us on the pages of Scripture is that if God can use an ordinary man like Gideon, then God can use an ordinary man like Israel. And if God can use an ordinary man like Israel, he can use an ordinary woman like Brandy. And if God can use an ordinary woman like Brandy, he can use an ordinary man like Shane. Whoever you are, wherever you are, God chooses to use ordinary people. Matter of fact, if you're here this morning and you feel yourself to be ordinary, then you are a prime candidate for God to use you. Matter of fact, if you feel yourself less than ordinary, that's okay too. You are still a prime candidate for God to use you. Let me give you a verse of scripture coming from 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 just a moment before we go any further. Verses number 26 and verse number 27. It's some of my favorite in all the word of God. It says, for you see your calling brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Then he says in verse 27, for God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame those that are wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are mighty. So what's the scripture telling us? God chooses to use ordinary people so that he might get the glory. He says he'll use those who are not mighty, who are not noble, who are not wise by the world's standards, and then he will confound the wise in the world because he used the weak, the base things, the ordinary things. So I don't know about you this morning. I am thankful that God can and will use whomever will choose to allow the Lord to use us. And that, that's true for Gideon, and it's true for me, and it's true for you. Now, please don't misunderstand. God can use extraordinary people to do extraordinary things. There's never been one person too small enough for God to use. Now, I think there have been some that are too big for God to use. And what I mean by that, they're too big for the riches. They're too prideful. They're too arrogant. It's all about what they want and, and who they are and their plan. And they will not relinquish their will and authority to the Lord. They will not relinquish, uh, listen, authority to God the Holy Spirit in their life so God can't use them like he wants to use them. They're too big. And so God chooses not to use them, but the Bible says he resists the proud. Can you say amen? So you can be too big for God to use you, but you'll never be too small. God loves to use ordinary people. Now, God will use extraordinary people if they'll let him, let him do that. Matter of fact, just last week I was listening on the radio, um, American Family Radio out of Fulton, Mississippi. And if you're not listening to American Family Radio, let me encourage you to please do so. It's uh, 
It, it, all day long, man, the Lord just blesses my soul through AFR. There's 88.3 in Fulton, and then over in Tupelo, there's a station 90.9, and it's always got something that you're going to need as a child of God on it. I can promise you that. I was listening just last week, and, and uh, Dr. Ben Carson was on there. And I'm going to tell you, if there's ever been an extraordinary human being, it's Ben Carson. He came from a single-parent home from a single mother's household. He lived in the inner city and grew up in the projects. But Ben Carson is now today one of the most well-known, renowned, and respected neurosurgeons that's ever walked the face of the earth. If you remember in 2016, he ran uh, for president and he actually got my vote in the primary. I love Dr. Ben Carson. Not only did he run for president, he didn't, he didn't win, but he worked in the cabinet of President Donald Trump as the director of HUD, Housing and Urban Development, and, and did a great job with that. He's just a great guy. He's an extraordinary man. He's done a lot of great things. And I heard him on there last week just giving all honor and glory and praise to the Lord Jesus for what God had done in his life. Talking about how the Lord saved him at a very early age and how God had worked in his life and opened doors that only God could open for him. And I sat there and thought, man, God uses ordinary people like me, but you know what? God will use extraordinary people like Ben Carson too. So what am I telling you? I don't know what camp you're in. Maybe you're ordinary or extraordinary or somewhere in the middle. But I'll tell you this. God will use you if you'll allow him to. And there's absolutely nothing more blessed than when you know God is doing his work in and through you. There's nothing that excites me more than when I know God does the work. It's amazing. He used Gideon and he can use us. Gideon found himself in the midst of a battle and God gave him the victory. But before he gave Gideon and the Israelites the victory, listen to me now, he had to reveal to them some principles that needs to be revealed to us. Some principles of victory. And folks, I want you to know that today, if you are a child of God, you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. According to Romans 8.37, that means God can and will give you the victory no matter what battle that you are currently facing. And the truth is, as believers who live in a fallen world, we will face battles almost on a daily basis. If you're not in the midst of a battle now, just hang on. It'll be coming just before long, before you know it. Either we're in a battle, we're just coming out of a battle, or we're getting ready to go into a battle. It seems that way in the world in which we live. But I am confident this morning, I am thankful this morning, that the same God who delivered Gideon can and will deliver us. But we've got to put these principles into practice. I don't know what your battle is. They come in all shapes and sizes. They can come in physical battles, emotional battles, relational battles, financial battles. We all face Battles, and we all need these principles if we're going to achieve victory by God's power. Gideon learned them, and it helped him. And if we'll learn them, it'll help us. Now listen to me. First of all, we saw the principle of vision. In Judges chapter number 6, you remember that Gideon did not see himself 
as God saw Gideon. And that's a problem. Look there in the verse number 11. And I'm just going to skim through this real quick. We already talked about it, but I want to set the stage for what's coming. Judges 6 and 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which is in Ophrah and pertained unto Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon. Watch this now. Threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. So the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to Gideon. Gideon threshing wheat in a winepress. And we talked about what that meant last week. He was threshing wheat in the winepress because he's afraid the Midianites, the invading army that were coming to steal the blessing of the Israelites, were going to see him. He was very afraid. He was terrified. He was scared to death. And he was down in the wine press doing what he should have been doing on a threshing floor. But when God came in the presence of the angel of the Lord, what did he say to Gideon? He says, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. Now, how many of you think Gideon felt that way? I don't think he felt like he was a very courageous man. That's what the word valor means. It means courage. And so God says, Gideon, you're a great man of courage. But by what Gideon was doing, threshing wheat in a wine press, I don't think he felt that way. Not only by, by, not, not just by what he's doing, but also what he said. Go down to verse number 15 with me, brothers. Judges chapter 6, verse number 15. Look what this says. So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? This is Gideon talking back to the angel of the Lord. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. He said, look, I come from a very weak family. We don't have any power. We don't have any property. Listen, I come from one of the least families in my tribe. And I'm the least in my father's house. He said, not only do I come from a small, weak family who has no power, I'm the youngest in my household. I cannot do what you're calling me to do. By what he was doing and by what he was saying, you can see that Gideon did not see himself as God saw Gideon. So the first thing you've got to get is the right vision of who you are in Jesus. That's how this applies to us. See, I want you to understand and know this morning that if you have placed your faith in Christ as Savior, the Bible calls you His child. Romans 8.15 says He's not given us the spirit of fear again to bondage, but He has given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So if you've placed your faith in Christ, you are now the adopted sons and daughters of Almighty God. We need to see us as Jesus sees us, as God sees us. We need to get a right vision of who we are in Christ. Some of you here this morning have been told all your life that you're a mistake, that you're ignorant, that you're stupid, that you may never amount to anything. Let me tell you something. You can't believe what others say about you. You can't even believe yourself when you're doubting yourself. You've got to remember who you are in Jesus. And the Bible says you are blessed and highly favored. The Bible says you are not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's by the sovereign will of God that you are on this earth and He has a purpose and a plan for you. He wants to use you to accomplish His work and His will in the world. Praise the Lord. Folks, you need to stop thinking about yourself the way the world thinks about you. You need to stop judging yourself by what the world says. What does God say? you got to get a right vision of who you are in Jesus, what you have in Jesus. You have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Can you say amen? 
You have an ever-present help in the time of need. Remember, you've got to get a right vision of who you are in Christ. But also, listen to me now, Gideon had to get a right vision of who God is. And God gave him a right vision. Let's go on down, look what else happens. Down to Judges chapter 6, verse number 20. If you could read through all this, we're not going to read all of it because we don't have time. But in verse number 20, we find that Gideon has prepared some meat and some bread to eat. And look what God does with it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So what happened was Gideon takes this food that he had just made, the flesh, the unleavened bread, puts it there on a stone and pours broth all over it, wets it down really good. And then the angel of the Lord takes his staff, touches it and completely consumes the rock, the flesh, the meat and all of it. By God's power, he caused the wet rock to burn. And so Gideon saw this. And when he saw this, look what he says. Go down to verse 22. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it, watch this now, Jehovah Shalom. Those two words mean a great deal. Jehovah means the Lord. Shalom means peace. And so what Gideon called the Lord that day, and this is one of the seven names that God gives himself throughout the Old Testament where he uses the word Jehovah and then something after it. He says, Jehovah the Lord, Shalom, who is our peace. When Gideon got a right vision of who God is, then he had peace in knowing that God is able to protect him in the midst of the battle. You've got to get a right vision of who the Lord is to you. I've got to get a right vision of who the Lord is to me. If we're going to be victorious in the battles that we face, if we're going to go forth and accomplish what God has called us to do, we've got to get a right vision of Jehovah Shalom. Gideon realized if God can do what he just did with the unleavened bread, the flesh, and the stone, if he can do that, then he can protect Gideon in the midst of the battle. He can help him overcome the army that he's going to face. When Gideon got a right vision of who God is, it changed everything else. We see the principle of vision, but you also need to see the principle of valor. When you get a right vision of who God is, it will give you the courage to go out and be and do what God has called you to do. Turn our lights up, please, guys. When you get a right vision of who God is, then you receive the courage you need to accomplish the task God has called you to and the task that God has called me to. That's what Gideon does. He calls all the men of Israel together. Look in Judges chapter number 7. It wasn't just important though that Gideon received the courage he got to do the work God had called him to do, but also his men needed courage to fight in the battle. Look what the Bible says. Judges 7, verse number 1. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Marah in the valley. 
And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many. For to me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. So let me tell you what's going on here. God says to Gideon, Gideon, you've got too many men. Now, I've got to believe that when Gideon heard the Lord say this, he questioned what he heard. Let me tell you why. First of all, Gideon was not a man of war. He knew nothing about military strategy. Gideon was just an ordinary guy who had never been in a battle. <laughs> and now God says, Gideon, you've got too many to go and fight against the Midianite army. To see the importance of this, you've got to see uh, what the Bible says about the Midianite army. And if you want to flip back to Judges chapter 6 and verse number 5, the Bible says when the Midianite army came into Israel, they were like grasshoppers. That means they were like a, uh, a, 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 a swarm of grasshoppers coming into the land. There were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of men. But not only did they have a lot of men, they also had a lot of camels. Now what does that mean? The camels in that day were like the armored tanks of today. They were like the cavalry. Amen? And so this was a very well-equipped, well-trained army coming in to steal the blessing of the people of God. And when Gideon hears from the Lord, when God says, okay, Gideon, you've got 32,000 men, but that's too many. Well, Gideon had to be thinking, 32,000 is a lot, Lord, but they've got many more times that in the army of the Midianites. Are you seeing it? And God said, that's too many. I don't want the people thinking that they did this in their own power. They've got to know it was through my power the battle was won. Now, what do we need to know from that? Whatever battle we face, we can achieve victory, but it will not be by our power, our ability. Whatever battle you're going through, I promise you, God can give you victory in that, over that, through that, whatever it is. But it will be in His power and not in yours. It'll be because of what God can do and not because of what you can do. Are you hearing me? Now that don't mean we just quit and throw our hands up and don't take part. That means we stay faithful to what God has called us to and allow God to do His work trusting by faith. He's going to do just that. Amen? So listen to me. These people lacked the courage that was needed, the valor that was needed to go out and fight the battle. And you know what God said? God said, you tell them all who are afraid and all who are fearful to go to the house. And 22,000 men left. Now why does God make this plain? Listen to me, folks. If this battle is going to be won by faith in what God can do, fear and faith can't be in the same place. If you are a person filled with fear, you're not walking in faith. Now, I know we can all get fearful in the world we live in. We can all allow fear and his ugly cousin worry to rule and reign in our lives if we're not careful. But I want to tell you, for the child of God, that's actually a sinful way to live. You want me to tell you why? God has promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
God has promised that no matter whatever you face, whatever you're going through, he's going to go through it with you. And if we truly believe that, if we truly have a right vision of who God is and what he's promised, then we do not and we should not be walking in fear. A right vision of who God is gives you the valor it takes to go out and face the enemy and win your battle, whatever it is. Now, not only do you need to see the principle of vision, you've got to see the principle of valor. But number three, you've got to see the principle of vigilance. Look in the next verse, Judges chapter number six, or excuse me, chapter number seven, and look down at verse number four. Watch what the Bible tells us, Judges seven and four. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water and I will try them for thee there. So God says, well, you still got too many. We went from 32,000, we lost 22,000, now we're at 10,000. He said, you still got too many men. Let me try them again and tell you who to keep. And so this is what God tells him to do. He says, and it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee. The same shall go with thee of whomsoever I say unto thee. This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So God says, the ones I tell you to keep, you keep them. And let them go with you. The ones I tell you don't keep, don't keep them and let them go home. Look at the next verse, verse number five. So he brought down the people into the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that laps up the water with his tongue as a dog laps, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. So let me tell you, give you the picture. God says, all right, you separate these soldiers, these 10,000 that you've got left, into two different groups. First of all, I want the group who gets down on all fours like a dog and sticks his face in the water. I want you to separate them off by themselves. And he said, then I want you to pay attention to the ones who gets down on their knee and gets a cup full of water in their hand and brings it to their mouth. You separate them by themselves. And he goes on to say in the next verse, the ones who stick their whole face in the water, you tell them to go home. And the ones who got down on one knee and made a cup with their hand, you tell them to go with you into battle. And after it was all said and done, 9,700 of the 10,000 men that Gideon had left went to the house. There was only 300 who were vigilant enough to get down on their knee and cup that water up and put it to their mouth. Now, what was the purpose of doing that? Well, if a man is down on his all fours with his face in the water getting a drink, how in the world is he ever going to be ready to see the enemy coming? He's not, is he? No, all he's doing is meeting his need. He's meeting the need of the flesh. He's not worried about the battle he's about to face, the enemy he's about to face. So he gets down on all fours, puts his face in the water. God says, you don't need those men. See what God is telling us, we need people of valor that go into battle, but we also need people of vigilance. People who are ready for the enemy when they come. That's what vigilant means. The vigilant man is always watching for the enemy. He's down on one knee. Yeah, he's getting a drink because he needs it. But as he's getting a drink, he's watching for what's coming over the hillside in front of him. He realizes the enemy can attack at any time. The enemy will attack when you least expect it. So he's always going to expect it. Now what does that speak to you and me? Do you know that God wants us not only to have vision, valor, but vigilance? Do you know that God has told us 
that we have an enemy? And the enemy we have is always on the attack. Jesus said it's like this. I have come that uh, the, the, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. 10. Our enemy, Satan himself, wants to destroy and steal the blessing God's give to you. What does that mean to your husbands and fathers? If you're a husband and you're a father this morning, do you know that you've been blessed with the wife? The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and is blessed to the Lord. So if God's given you a wife this morning, you've got a great blessing. But I want to tell you something, men. The enemy would like nothing better than to tear down the blessing God's given you, to tear apart the marriage God has given you. Listen to me now. And if we're not vigilant, if we're not watching for how the enemy attacks and be ready when he attacks, then he'll do just that. Why do you think that 52% of marriages are failing today? I think it's because of the lack of vigilance. We're not paying attention to what's going on around us. We're not paying attention to those in our household. We're not paying attention to those outside our household either. And you got to do both. Can you say amen? You got to be vigilant. The enemy wants to steal your blessing. Now listen to me, fathers. You've got some blessings that call you daddy. God has blessed you with your children. The Bible says the children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a blessing from God himself. And the enemy are those who would want to come and steal and destroy your blessing, your children. And if you don't think the enemy is after our children today, then you've got your head in the stand. You're not listening. You're not, you're not being vigilant. You're not looking. You've got to be careful for how the enemy attacks. You've got to be watching for it and ready for it. The Bible has called you as a father to raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You better believe that if you are not vigilant and watching for how and when the enemy will attack your kids, then you're failing as a father. Let me give you just some practical ways that you can do that. The cell phones that your kids carry around are pieces of property that you allow them to use. I tell mine this all the time. That's not your cell phone. That's my cell phone. I'm just letting you use it. As long as I'm paying the bill, that's my cell phone. And because it's my cell phone, I can look at it anytime I want to. I can go through it. And check it out. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to make sure what you're saying, what you're looking at, who you're talking to, what you're doing on social media, because I realize if there's one way the enemy is attacking our children, it's through that cell phone they carry in their pocket every day. It's through the social media sites they spend time on. And so be vigilant, Daddy, and take a look at those things. You need to know who your children's three closest friends are because who they hang out with will influence them. There's no way around it. And if you don't agree with who they're hanging with, let them know that. I'm not saying we're better than anybody, but you better be wise in choosing whom you spend your time with because they will influence you. You too can influence them, but you better be prayed up you better be studied up. You better be spirit-filled and ready to influence those that you are around if you want to walk closely to the Lord. Are you understanding me? Be vigilant. 
Listen to me. Husbands, fathers, you've got a ministry in the body of Christ. And we've been learning on Wednesday night that God the Holy Spirit has gifted to all of us the gifts we need so that we might do what God has saved us to do, so that we might be what God has saved us to be. And the enemy would like nothing more to attack your character, tear down your ministry, and silence your message because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You've got to be vigilant, ever watching, realizing he tempts you, wants you to fall, and does everything he can to trip you up. You've got to be watching. Who's coming at you? Why are they coming at you? How are they coming at you? You've got to be vigilant. Now, that's not just true for the men in the room. That's true for wives whom the Bible is blessed with a husband. And you know the Bible says that you are to be the helpmate of your husband and help him to lead your family in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord Jesus. The Bible has called you to be a mom to those children who raise them up again in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you've got a place in those kids' lives, mama, that nobody else has got. There's a special bond between mothers and their children. You have influence over them. And you need to use that for good. You need to be vigilant watching how the enemy is coming at your kids and advise them about what they need to do and when they need to do it. That takes wisdom that only God can give. Can you say amen? Well, I'm thankful God says in James chapter number 1 and verse number 1 that if anybody lacks wisdom, all we got to do is ask for it. That's good, isn't it? Now listen to me, folks. We've all got families. We've all got ministries if we're in the body of Christ because we're a part of His body. Many members making up one body with different gifts that God has given us so that we might be enabled to do what he's called to us to do and accomplish his good will and purpose. Satan wants to tear down all of those blessings, so we must be vigilant. The Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Because of what? Your adversary, your enemy, the devil himself, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I don't know about you, but I love the National Geographic stuff that you see on TV when they go out into the Serengeti in, in Africa and, and, you know, do those documentaries on all of those animals. I love that stuff. I watch it all the time, every time I get a chance. And I watched one once upon a time about a, a, a group of lions, a pride of lions. And they talked about how these lions do things. And they showed them actually going out and getting dinner. They were going out and attacking these uh I don't know what they're called. They look like antelopes is what they look like. But they were some type of deer that was running across the plain there. And there was just a big herd of them. And let me tell you what they would do. They wouldn't attack the whole herd. Because if they attacked the whole herd, the whole herd, even though they were antelopes and the lions were lions, the, the whole herd could actually kill the lions themselves. So what they would do was wait for one to get off by himself, to get separated from the group. They would wait for one to fall behind. And when that one fell behind, then that pride of lions would attack and have lunch. Now what's that speak to us as the people of God? Do you know there are strengthens in numbers? 
Do you know that when you are plugged into a local body of believers where you are encouraged, you are edified, built up by the Word of God, where you can come together and receive advice from good, godly people, when you're in a, a body of Christ and serving, doing what God has called you to do, do you know you are stronger then against the attack of the enemy than when you're all by yourself? Satan would love for you to get separated from the herd. Satan would love for you to get off out by yourself. Satan would love for you to get out of church because when you do, it's so much easier for him to steal your blessing. For him to steal, kill, and destroy what God wants to do in your life, what God has done in your life. If you believe it, say amen. You've got to be vigilant, ever watching for the devil, our enemy, who's like a roaring lion. The principle of vision, the principle of valor, the principle of vigilance. Let me give you the last one, the principle of vitality. What gave Gideon the vim, the vigor, the vitality, the power, and the knowledge to overcome the great battle that he was about to face with the Midianite army. How'd he do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Judges chapter number 6. Brothers, if you will, please look at verse number 34. Judges 6, verse number 34. After Gideon got a right vision of the God he serves, after Gideon saw the angel of the Lord put his staff there on the stone and burn up the stone and burn up the meat, burn up the bread that was covered with the beef broth or the broth of some kind that was all wet down. When God burned all that up by his power, after that happened, the Bible says, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and Abiezar was gathered after him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Isn't that good? How was Gideon able to lead the army of the Israelites into this battle and achieve victory? I'll tell you how. It's by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. What gave him the vitality, the vim, the vigor? What gave him the power and the knowledge he needed to achieve victory? The Spirit of the Lord. Let me ask you something. What gives us the power we need to achieve victory in whatever battle we face? The Spirit of the Lord. Praise God. It's the Spirit of God Himself. The Bible says this. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Everybody say treasure. Me and you, who've been blood-bought and born again into the family of God, the Bible teaches now the Holy Spirit of God abides in us. Now listen, if we're going to be what God wants us to be and we're going to accomplish the purpose He saved us to accomplish, the Holy Spirit can't just abide in us, but He must preside over us. He can't just be a resident in our life. He's got to be president in our life. He's got to control us. To be filled with the Spirit means that we are controlled by the power of the Spirit. What God says we do. Where God says we go. When God says wait, we stay. Whatever God says, as we are listening for Him, we do. 
We are spirit-led. How was Gideon able to achieve the victory? He was spirit-led. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the good news is, in the Old Testament, there were just certain moments throughout the Old Testament that God, the Holy Spirit, would come upon a man. He would come upon a man for a season, and during that season, that man would accomplish whatever God had called him to accomplish. It happened with Gideon in Judges 6 and 7. It happened with Elijah in the book of 1 and 2 Kings. It happened with Elisha in the book of 2 Kings. It happened with all of these great men of God. All throughout Scripture, the Spirit of God would come upon them, and in that moment, they'd be able to do what God called them to do. And then the Spirit of God would depart from them, the Bible would say many times. Now I've got some good news for you. As a child of God, the Bible says, we are sealed under the day of redemption by God the Holy Spirit. That means once God comes into our life at the moment of conversion, He never leaves. So day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, we are able to receive from Him what we need to achieve victory. Whether we're facing temptation, depression, discouragement, family troubles, physical troubles, emotional troubles, financial troubles, listen, what we need he is the answer. Over and over and over again, he's showing me that to be true. We must trust him. We operate in the spirit of God. I'm convinced that for far too long, a lot of people have tried to do God's work without God's power. I don't want to come and go through the motions when we come into a service like this. I don't want to come and just get by. I don't want to come and merely fulfill an obligation. When we come in this place, I want to be led of God the Holy Spirit. I want to be empowered by God the Holy Spirit. I want to be touched by God the Holy Spirit. I want God the Holy Spirit to work on me, work in me, and work through me to accomplish His good will and purpose. I don't want that just to happen in the church house, but I want that to happen at my house, at the workplace, wherever I go. And the good news is, that's what God wants too. Amen? That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct us, to be that comforter that comes alongside and helps us day by day. That's what the word comforter means that Jesus uses in the book of John. They were filled with the Spirit. Go down to Judges chapter 7. And I'm skipping through a lot of this just for lack of time. You can go back and read it later. But Judges chapter 7, let's look first at verse number 15. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned to the host of Israel and he said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided 300 men into three companies and put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. Now, he's not talking about a picture, P-I-C-T-U-R-E-S. He's talking about a pitcher, like a pitcher of water, a clay pot. And he says, what I want you to do is take that pitcher, that clay pot, and take your trumpet, and then take that light in your hand, the candle in your hand. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. 
When I blow with the trumpet and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets and on every side of all the camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the, and the hundred men that were with him came out the outside into the, the camp and beginning in the middle watch and they had but newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. Go to verse 20. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Look at verse 21. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the host ran and cried and fled. Now let me ask you something. What do you think would have happened if the Midianites would have known the plan that the Israelite army was about to put into practice? I think they'd have laughed them off that hillside, don't you? They might have said something like this. You mean to tell me we've got all these men, all you got is 300. We got all these men against your 300 men and we got all these camels and we're a trained military unit and you're not and you're coming to us armed with clay pots, candles, and trumpets. Don't seem right, does it? Don't seem possible, does it? The world don't understand that, do they? I'm not even sure Gideon understood it at the time. But you know what he did? He acted in faith. He believed God, and walking in faith, he acted like God was telling the truth. Let me tell you something, folks. Listen to me. This vitality, this power that we have within us is put into work when we walk by faith and act like God is telling the truth. And it's through the person of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Word of God when we apply that to our life and allow God to be who He is that we accomplish the victory God has set us forth to accomplish. But we must, listen, trust Him and walk by faith. We may not always understand it. We, we may not always reasonably, logically be able to explain it. His ways are so much higher than our ways and God can do things that we never thought possible if we will trust Him. Not only is that important in your individual life, but that's important collectively as a church body. We're planning some very big things right here at Mount Zion in the very near future. We're fixing to enter into a building program and I'm going to be honest with you. It's a little bit scary when you think about it. But I know, I know it's what God has put on my heart. I prayed about it for a month and a half straight. And I know, I asked you to do the same thing, you remember? And I know what God spoke to me. And so I just came to the place where I believe. And I, I said, Lord, if this is what you want, that's what I want. You have your way. You have your will. You do your work by your power, and I'm just going to act like you're telling the truth. Can you say amen? That's what we got to do. We got to walk by faith. Now, when they got up all up around the Midianite army, three things happened. First of all, God used their boldness. They blew the trumpet. Remember? Gideon said, when I blow the trumpet, you blow the trumpet. They blew forth the trumpet and shouted, the army of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. With boldness, they spoke this word to the enemy. Now, God calls us to be bold as well, amen? 
God used their boldness, but God also used their brokenness. Do you know the Bible does say that we are a bunch of earthen vessels with a great treasure in it? We're a bunch of cracked clay pots with God himself living on the inside of us. Let me tell you something. It's okay if you're broken. It's okay if you're imperfect. It's okay if you feel as though sometimes you don't measure up. Because God can use your brokenness and allow his light to shine through those broken places. He can take your mess that you've had in your past and make it a message and use it for his honor and his glory. He used their boldness. He used their brokenness. But then he used their brightness. The Bible says when they broke those pitchers with that candle in it, that lights came all around that canyon with those 300 men. They just stood there. They stood there firmly and boldly with their light in hand. Brothers and sisters, we live in a very dark world in a very dark place. If you don't believe me, go to work tomorrow. If you don't believe me, watch your television news tonight. If you don't believe me, go to the grocery store and you'll see the darkness that we are in as we walk out into a lost and dying world. I'm asking you. God is calling you. God is calling us. Let's stand boldly, even in our brokenness, and shine brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Allowing him to work on us, work in us, and work through us. Four principles of victory. If it's true for Gideon, I believe it's true for us, don't you? We're not going to have a time of invitation today. Let me tell you what I want to do, though. I want to tell you just a little bit about what we're planning on doing starting next week with our visitation program. We're going to start it next Sunday evening at 4 o'clock. And our, our, our whole goal for this is to reach our community. And folks, like I said before, all of you can do this. I'm hoping and praying that God would open doors and give us opportunities to share the gospel as we go. And if he does, that's exactly what we're going to do. But what we are certainly going to do is just make it known to the people in this community that we love them, that we're here for them, and that they are welcome right here at our church. And so I'm not telling you you've got to go out. Now, if the Lord leads and Lord open those doors, I'm not telling you you've got to go out and kick down doors and tell people about Jesus. I'm asking you to pray that God would open the doors that need to be opened, and then we're going to go in faith and let everybody know that Jesus loves them, and we do too. And then when God gives opportunity, we'll do what we need to do. But as we go, we're just going to take some very simple things. We're going to take a, a message uh, on DVD concerning the gospel. Their bags are already made up. They're at my house. I'll bring them with us next week. They're, we're going to put some information about our church in there. And there's a few other little things that are just um, will be helpful to them and their family. We'll put that all in a bag, and we're just going to go to door to door in all this community. And we're just going to say, hey, man, we just want you to know that we love you. The Lord loves you, and you're welcome at Mount Zion. Is there anything we can do for you? Any way we can pray with you? Just let God open the doors that need to be opened, and then just hand them the bag. Can't you do that? Everybody can do that. Now, if you want to do that, you want to be a part of it, get signed up today. Sign-up sheet's in the back. And what I want you to do this week is every day, I told you that we're going to commit to doing two things. We're going to commit to pray for those people we're going to, and we're going to commit to go when it's time to go. We'll go next Sunday evening at 4 o'clock. This week, though, we're going to pray about it. Now, we're not praying whether or not we're going to need to go. You know, you ain't even got to pray about that. God,
God's already told you to go. He don't have to tell us again, does he? He said, go. Go. And so we're going to go. But what we do need to be praying for are the people we're going to. And pray for for three things. Open doors, that people will be receptive to our coming. Open hearts, that they'll listen to what we've got to say. And open mouths, that God will give us spiritual boldness to speak the truth from our heart that needs to be spoken. All that's happening next week. Let me have my ushers to go to the back at this time. Have you enjoyed being in the house of God today? Me too. Invite somebody to come back with you Wednesday night. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, Serpent of the Saints, 7 o'clock, our Wednesday night Bible study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Come be with us for that. If there's nothing else this morning. Yes, sir.